My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as a podcast co-host, <laughs> I was going to say producer, <laughs> podcast co-host is Jason Levy from Brooklyn, New York. How are you? Doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to have you. Okay, so kiss that mic, all right? Okay. You've heard us say it on the show before, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, so Jason Levy has been listening to the show for a couple of... <laughs> you just held up six fingers for six years? Six months. No, six years, yeah. Jeez Louise. Okay, so Jason Levy has probably even might sound a little familiar to you guys because we've had logline competitions over the years, and Jason always submits, <laughs> and this year he won. Yay! Yay! Cool! <laughs> and remember that the prize to win the logline competition is to be a co-host on On The Page. <laughs> this is as good as it gets. <laughs> Thank you. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Thank you, actually, because uh, this is my first time out to California. Because you're doing being on the podcast gave me a reason to come out here. So, oh, so you could convince your wife to come? Yeah, that's cool. No, actually, it was a present to me. Oh, how nice! Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so. And what have you guys been doing since you've been in LA? Well, we just got in yesterday. Um, seen a lot of traffic. <laughs> um, not much. Uh, we went running in Huntington Beach this morning. Our friends are runners. So oh, that's We got nice. up like 6 a.m. Oh, that's a very California thing to do. Yeah, we walked on the pier, that area there. So it's very nice. It's like you're already Californians. Yeah. Like you didn't head immediately to Universal Studios or anything like that. That's later in the week. Yeah, we got <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, welcome. We're Thank very you. happy to have you. I think that everybody should uh, hear your podcast. You're, I'm sorry. That's. That's my podcast. Your winning logline. Could I hear your winning logline, please? Absolutely. An unhappy husband clones his wife so he can fall in love with her again. Yeah. And that was, it was so funny because it was so simple. Mm -hmm. And yet it gave us all those possibilities. Say it one more time. <laughs> An unhappy husband clones his wife so he can fall in love with her again. Yeah. And it was like, we just imagined all the absurdities of it. It was just a really good idea. And this year with the podcast, it wasn't just that it had to be a good, a good log line. It had to also be a really good idea. And so we were there. And sometimes simple just does it. Yeah. It's amazing how quickly I put it together. I was actually thinking, should I add a little more? Should I tighten it? And I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to send it, whatever. Good. And then I won, so. I think sometimes awesome. that's stuff that just like yeah. you're not thinking too much about. Exactly. Just comes out. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Jason came uh, to the studio at the tail end of a an all-day career and pitch class that I was co-teaching with Lee Jessup. And um, I have with me here one, two, three, four, five, six remaining students 
who stayed because they are going to read the pitches that they came up with in class. They're being very, very nice about it. Um, I've got two of them here um, on mic right now. So Kat Alvarado, say hi. Hello. And uh, Misha, say hi, Misha Klein. Hi, Misha Klein. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hi. (laughs) And um, just a a little bit about what I I ran through with them that they're going to be pitching you now. One thing we talked about was inspiration. The fact that when you are pitching, if you can lead in with inspiration, that often um, it's a, a really good way to get people hooked. So I would give them sort of a template of I discovered or I experienced or became interested in an event or issue. And when that happened, I thought, well, what if fictional spin? And the reason I asked them to do that is because it's one thing to talk about how you're inspired, but it's another to sort of segue into the story. So that is important to do. And then I asked them to go into their project, and you'll hear them pitch the genre and medium. You'll, tell, you'll hear them pitch what it's like, what it's called. You'll hear them integrate the log line. Um, You'll hear them then bring in uh, a main character or characters, the second act, the midpoint complication or the second act low point because you're going to hear some complications come in. And you may even hear the third act strategy. Um, Who knows? They might even go on to the pilot. In class, we also talked about uh, the world, pitching out the world in terms of the rules of the world. We talked about a character breakdown in terms of not only who a character is, but what they want for the movie or the TV show. For a movie, we might, they might actually have arrived at a different desire by the end of the movie, completing their arc. But for TV, it's just okay to say, look, this character wants this, and this character wants that, and the other character wants the other thing, and that will help flesh out your entire series. Um, there were also some talking points that we covered and some things about my career, but I really doubt that when you're pitching today, we're going to get that far. Um, However, I would like you to go as far as you want with your pitch, okay? All right, and um, if I stop you at all, it will be because I'm being rude or if it's for time or I have a question for you, but for the most part, I think we should just let let you guys go. Jason, Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 you know, you're our co-host. Mm-hmm. So um, at the end of their pitches, mm-hmm. um, let's hear some of your feelings as well. Absolutely. Okay? I, feel, I feel like I earned it because like now I'm on the other side. Right. You know, so You're, definitely. I'm you have been judged <laughs> and now you get to judge. Nice. By the way, this is not a competition and I don't want you to feel any pressure. That said, let's make it good. All right. Okay. So Kat, are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, Kat, by the way, has been in several of my classes, mm-hmm. and uh, she is a stand-up as well as a writer, and I am anxious to hear this. Go for it. All right. Well, I discovered a tiny progressive church while I was in grad school in Santa Barbara, and it had mostly just old people. That made me sad because it was like awesome. They were really great, but uh, nobody wanted to go to that tiny little church And when that happened, I thought, what if they had a rival church down the road that Mm -hmm. they had to compete with? Um, So I have a half-hour comedy in the vein of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's called St. Mike's, and it's about a rookie minister trying to save her dying church in spite of her own self-doubts. 
It follows the very anxious Reverend Liz and her elderly congregation as they try to grow. Problems occur when Liz finds out that St. Mike's is completely broke. (laughs) In the pilot, Liz throws a vegan barbecue potluck to get new congregants, only to have them poached by the big bag megachurch down the road, led by wannabe rock star Pastor Jack. Now she must confront the rival church to get them to stop. Excellent. Really good job. Mm-hmm. Very I good. could see the show. I could definitely see that first episode. What about you, Absolutely. Jason? Absolutely. Yeah, that would, I, I could see a few episodes, definitely. Uh, be, you, got, you got the rivalry going. I feel like there's a lot of strength there. And, and a lot of dark comedy, too, right? Definitely, yeah. When you get into religion, you get really dark. <laughs> I want to see what churches do when they get competitive. Like, uh-huh. you know, what would they do to 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 steal congregants. I think the only thing I'd, I'd like you to think more about is getting more specific when you're pitching the series as specific as you are with pitching that first episode. Cause right now it's like to get them to grow, mm-hmm. but I think you could add more to it, you know, mm-hmm. to get them to, um, uh, grab funding from, from, you know, big shots to grow their congregation to, uh, you know, have, the best church choir. I mean, like list a couple of those things that would make them the shiniest church. Okay. Okay. So we can kind of see all the possibilities for the series. All right. Okay. Very nice. Thank you. Great job. Let's move on to Misha Klein. Misha, pitch your project. Oh, geez. (laughs) (laughs) That's a tough act to follow. Um, Misha, I forget. What do you, what do you do when you're not writing? Uh, I'm a, a uh, freelance stop motion animator. I work Ooh. with puppets. Really? And, uh, yeah, thank you. I um it's funny in class you mentioned that project bubbles and it was sort of in the news today because um it's going to be stop motion and I it, it's uh Starburns is is a studio locally here and they um did Anomalisa which I worked on which was also a stop motion feature. Um, Ryan in the back is like nodding enthusiastically. We have a big fan over there. Cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, coming from animation, I definitely, I guess I sort of have a silly sensibility about approaching story and this is no different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go for it. Um, so we just filled this out today and I'm kind of a little bit rusty. So, um, as far as inspiration goes, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, <laughs> and one of the podcasts, of course, is yours, but another one was uh, Comedy Bang Bang. I was listening to a comedian, James Adomian, who did a really great Orson Welles impression, and so that was sort of stirring around in my head. I was reading some books on Orson Welles, and, uh, but I was also kind of on this really big conspiracy theory jag where I was just spending too much time in front of YouTube. Um, and one of the conspiracies that sort of drew me in was this idea of false flag operations. And so I wrote a half hour. Actually, I took your six-week class, and I wrote a half hour, 30-page pilot. It's uh, an adult stop-motion comedy TV series. Um, and the idea was sort of like, could I create from this folklore of information some sort of original piece it's called flops with two f's (laughs) and it stands for false flag operations Mm, nice but it's got that kind of you know falling flat on your face flop (laughs) tie-in as well um here's the log line 
When a famous out-of-work film director, i.e. Orson Welles, witnesses a terrorist attack, he notices it's all fake and manages to rekindle his failed career by getting recruited by the group responsible. So that's sort of like a... Um, opens up the series. Okay, tell us more. Uh, he... Um, encounters this eager young groupie sound guy Gus um and convinces Gus he he's taking some meetings to try to desperately sell his movies to people in Hollywood that just think he's too old and over the hill and so they are constantly passing on him and and act 1 is pretty much like nobody wants to hear from you anymore you're you're old and things are getting desperate. And so he convinces this kid to buy him lunch in a mall, buys him a hot dog. It's pretty pathetic. And they encounter a bomb that goes off a huge terrorist attack. And, um, but Orson's got a sharp eye and he's, he's also sort of meanwhile looking through the lens of, uh, this Hasselblad camera. And he had it, um, He's sort of lucky in a, in, a, in, a, in a way. He sort of catches all of the fake elements to this uh, terrorist attack. Um, and by the end of the terrorist attack, he's smelling the fake smoke and crunching the fake glass and laughing his ass off. Um, and blow and behold, later that night, he is drinking it off in a bar and there's CNN blaring above him. And it's talking about, you know this terrorist attack in, in Century City Mall. Um, and he encounters the team. And he goes, and he's drunk. <laughs> so he goes and critiques their work. And at that point, they either have to kill him or recruit him. But he convinces them to recruit him. and uh, That's kind of the setup for the series. Okay, all right. Mm. So, so his, his skill... Right, the the very thing he's not able to succeed at, right, becomes the thing that makes him recognize this, that this is a fake, and gets him sort of on their team. Now, you say he's he's sitting there and, and laughing and stuff like that. Does everybody else think it's real for sure? Yeah, everybody's fooled, um, and the little squad of the team that sort of puts this thing on, they're kind of a bunch of bozos to Orson. I mean, they're you know they're like this troop of misfit agents and uh since he's this kind of melodr- like this megalomaniac kind of huge ego film director he um he he can see all their flaws now now just a question because you you pitched out very specifically you know like you know using scenes and stuff the the pilot episode how that is a series is something that you are now responsible for, for letting people know. You said this is launches the series, but you know, is the series going to be about his, his, uh, teaming up with these guys? Um, is it going to be about, you know, him trying to become a great director with them? The series itself, not quite there yet. Okay. But the story of the first episode is very, very good. Cool. Okay. Do you know what the series is yet? Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're, I don't know the whole season arc, but um, they're 
It, it's also stop motion, so imagine kind of a the tone is sort of a Breaking Bad meets the Muppets. Mm-hmm. It's this really dark kind of creepy tonality, but it's got this ridiculous caricature of you know various cities around the world. Like we'll be in Paris, we'll be in uh, Lisbon, whatever. And something you know a tra- you know there'll be like a bomb in a train or something. So it's cartoony, over the top aesthetic, but with this. <laughs> kind of dark tone and so he's got to wear disguises and he's got to direct this troupe of clowns as far as he's concerned to and do what that's your series to um to fulfill the script of this control group okay that's the series so when you're pitching the series uh, yes. it's not just oh he recognizes that it's something's fake it's the fact that you've got this kind of a guy right. teaming up with this kind of group to direct their ridiculous take-over-the-world script, right? And right. that is where we see our, our TV show, okay? Cool. Um, Jason, what, what, what do you think? It's a very intriguing concept. Is any of it based on fact? Because it sounds like the way Orson Welles really was. Uh, I did a lot of research on the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading a book, uh, Lunches with Orson, and mm-hmm. I um, included s- some situations Sorry, some situations from that book. So, gotcha. yeah, I mean, it, it sounds from what I know, it sounds very accurate towards him. Which is, all, he's such an intriguing character that putting him in that story really adds something, and it being a real person, I think, adds so much too. Yeah, and he's fascinated with things that are fake. He did mm-hmm. the F for F for fake. fake. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, so I tried to kind of pay homage and and uh, be true to his voice. Very cool. But it's yeah. a little weird including a famous person in your pilots <laughs> well but if it's stop motion you know you can you can recreate that which is really cool wow okay all right well we'll very good job okay i think we'd watch both of these things absolutely nice I um i'm <laughs> going to switch you guys out and the next people to come on up um hey barbara and julianne how you doing you you want to come on up okay thanks Bill. Thank oh you thank you Hi. Could be like Price is Right. Come on down. Come on down. Yeah. Except nobody screams in joy. They're just, just <laughs> in terror. <laughs> what? What? We've got Barbara Cole with us. Barbara. Okay. So um, uh, you are also an actor. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and a writer, of course. Um, and uh, anything else you want to tell people about yourself? So they can they can know about Barbara Cole. Sure. Yeah. Well, I I um, wrote a children's book last year. Had no idea how similar the worlds were um, uh, as far as agents and uh, just the challenges of of um, getting discovered or you know with publishers and everything. But and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. A children's book. Who knew? It, so that that world is pretty clogged right now, right? Everybody thinks they have a children's book. You know, not everybody's good at yeah. it, right? Hello. <laughs> but every, but yeah, but I mean not yeah. everybody's good at it and you you are and everybody's sort of fighting to, you know, to get in. So yeah, it's very very well, much Well, hopefully like I got better right? at it. Hopefully I got better at it. But and I, you know, I I worked with consultants like you in the children's book world. So there was a lot of rewriting, rewriting and editing that I really didn't realize was necessary, but it, there's the structure is pretty um uh strict mm-hmm. um 
like screenplays. Absolutely. Yeah. Word count, page count, all that. Oh, hold on a second. What's happening, Julianne? What's happening? Are you are you chickening so out on me? It's okay. You can. Well, I'll call you up when you are ready. Sound good? Okay. All right. We're going to go for Barbara Cole right now. And Barbara, tell us the pitch of your project. Okay. So here's the thing. <laughs> uh oh. Your listeners can't see me, but if they could, they would recognize that I'm an older woman. I'm. I'm on the other side of midlife. There's there is a touch of gray in those cute curls, but other than that, you wouldn't know. Thank you. That's very very sweet of you. Thank you. So, but um. You know, it really is. It's a serious time in life. It, it the the midlife crisis is a is a real thing, and there's someone very close to me who didn't make it. Wow. Um, but it can also be a time of chrysalis, um, of of um, positive change, mm-hmm. and um, so it's a time when sex and friendship and career and dreams are all put to the test, and many times they don't pass the test. <laughs> So I thought there needs to be a show about women of a certain age who are redefining their lives and rediscovering their passions and figuring out how to get those test scores back up. Um, So I have a television ensemble, a dramedy, uh, kind of in the vein of Enlightened. Mm -hmm. I'm madly in love with that show. I'm so (laughs) sad. It's a great show. Um, It's called Late Bloomers. Uh, It's about three forties ish something women who are reunited at a party when their their least talented writing classmate hits it big with a New York Times bestseller based on their own personal and stolen stories. So the unlikely friends are held together by the promise that together they can help each other keep their own creative dreams alive amidst the crisis of midlife. Cool. Cool. Thank you. Very nice. Do you have more? Do you have, um, what well, I could product? talk a little bit about the characters. or Yeah, tell some, us a little bit more about those characters. Okay. What, so, do they, that, what do they want within your series? What everybody wants. Love. Okay. Validation. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think at this point in life, what I've discovered and what I would love to um, create and bring to life is, you know, how important at this stage in life is, is is adapting Mm -hmm. to the reality of family and, um, you know, kind of reconciling dreams and reality and celebrating the small victories. So it may not be uh, receiving the Academy Award that you dreamt of when you were young, but maybe it's um, just writing, uh, taking a class, Stepping up and taking that creative class and maybe getting an A on your on your one act. Um, and so, yeah, I just think it would be beautiful to have a show about people who are f- celebrating the small victories and finding um, finding affirmation uh, how they can in in real life. I like what you said about the small victories. So in your in your pitch, right? Getting the idea that you know every episode will focus not on a you know a huge life changing thing you know where they or I, I should say a huge world changing moment but on a small life changing moment and that sometimes it's those small victories so that would be a great sort of thesis in for explaining what every episode is is going to be about and then you could also pitch out for example you know uh, one character may pursue this. And this character may pursue that. So, again, getting more and more specific makes us see the show. 
Tell me one character, what she's like, and what her personal goal is. Okay, well, the character is based in real life. It's based on, uh, and I'm working with a a team of writers. Um, So I'll talk about my character, since that's closest to me. But um, she's a, you know, a frustrated substitute teacher Mm -hmm. with kids who are in their teens. And that in and of itself, it can be a pretty thankless, frustrating life. Um, And now I'm wondering what your question, the second half of your question so what was. Do you oh, think she wants oh, so what does she want? Yeah. Back to in well, series. she'd like to feel sexy again. Uh-huh. And so she finds herself. I, I'm so glad I remembered what my train of thought was. And she finds herself, and this is based on a true story. Um, finds herself on the verge of having an affair with the younger man who works at Trader Joe's. Oh, see, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all true. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah. We're going to stop you right there before you incriminate yourself, all right? <laughs> all right. Very good. Um, Jason, uh, what, what hit you when you were hearing the pitch? Well, I think Small Victories is your title. Ooh, I nice. feel like yeah. that's, it just sounds like a great, great show, great idea. When you said uh, Woman of a Certain Age, it made me think of the show Men of a Certain Age, mm-hmm. which I think is what you're going for, but with women, which would I think would work great. Have you seen the show? You know, I think I saw it once. Now, that's a sitcom, right? It's a half-hour single cam. Okay. It's very good. Yours is not a half-hour single cam? It's, it's uh, well, you know, we're, we're hoping something a little more HBO-ish. Half-hour um, single cam. Yeah. So okay. That's what Enlightened is. And, and, okay, then. And yeah. Men of a Certain Age was not sitcom-y at all. It was. Okay. I yeah, it's, it. it's a great show. And mm. actually, I think it's, a, it's an excellent model for Well, we ha- I have homework. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, yeah. you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. We are going to move on. To Julianne. Hi. Hi, Julianne. Got to kiss that mic. Come on. How close. you doing? Hello. <laughs> Hi. So Jill- I wasn't sure because Barbara and I are working on that last piece together. So I'm sorry. I didn't know if we we're doing it together or if I've created a brand new oh, idea. I'm so so sorry. I, I apologize. No for that. wonder I put you on the spot. <laughs> so, Julianne Eggold, um, tell me what you do when you're not writing. Well, so I am working as a in the daytime. Doing location managing is, is what I do on a television show right now called The Mick on Fox. Oh, The Mick is supposed oh, yeah. to be great. So, I haven't yeah, seen I love it yet. It. It's awesome. Cool. So yeah, that's what I do. And then um, kind of branching into, I've just signed with a boutique manager to hopefully do more directing writing. Oh, congratulations. So we're, we're working on shaping the career now. So this could be part of that, working on a new script. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, so pitch what now so you, did you just make this up because this is a new idea yeah yeah let's go for it so this is brand new and i'm sorry that's why i stepped away i was just working on it so it's it's not that wonderfully shaped but i just got really inspired brand new idea um where should i start uh you start from your inspiration okay so this is a drama period film in the vein of blindside and but the woman is a lead it would be called, I just thought Slam might be an idea, and it's about a young woman in the 80s from San Francisco who quits her menial desk job with the dreams of becoming a stunt woman in Hollywood. Cool. So, anyways, nice. it might sound like a simple concept, but this is... How is that simple? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there could, it could be oh, a whole... Another one where somebody quits their job and decides to become a stunt woman. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> right? That's you. And this is, yeah, and it was based... My father actually did this, which is why I was just thinking... And he wrote a screenplay about it that he never did anything with, but he actually, in the 70s, left our family just for a few months to go to Hollywood to become a stuntman. And... uh 
and it was so that's kind and it's a really fascinating story what what happened with him so i could just kind of insert a female lead and you're making it 80s because it, it was because you'll have more obstacles in her way I think so, that yeah. way okay so what are, world of... some of those obstacles would be what you would pitch out to make us understand what the series would look look like okay. what are some of the obstacles you expect her to hit I think, you know, hearing a lot of stories of actual stunt women from, because I'm on the set a lot and I've asked a lot of questions and um, misogyny being one of them. Okay. The mm-hmm. typical Definitely. casting couch vibe of that time and a um, bit of a boys club just within the actual stunt world. Okay. So that's a big one. Okay, but you got to get even more specific. This is the stump world, right? Mm-hmm. So we all know about misogyny on sort of a general level, right? Mm-hmm. But um, tell me other things that she would encounter. Would people be assi- like not assigning her good stunts because she is a woman? Is she, yes. You know, is she um, going to be... Is she fighting against even the content? Like, oh God, another slap fight. Yeah. Remember in the eighties? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh God, I just, <laughs> I just saw like, I don't, I didn't watch Dynasty like back in the day, Neither but they were, I. they were oh. showing like a, you guys a, a rerun out. of it. <laughs> yeah, and there was some slap fight between the two of the women and the stunt women were in it and it was ridiculous because you could totally see them cut back and forth to the stunt women oh with their with their wigs and stuff it was so funny at one point though pat and i were like i think those are stunt men you know <laughs> and they so would. so yes. i w- i'm wondering if like they wouldn't even let her do stuff for the female actors the that would be funny if she shows up on set or somehow gets in to see that mm-hmm. oh the the dumb role that she was already hope to have was actually played by men that would be very interesting <laughs> so so the more specific you can get about the obstacles and that time the more the show will emerge mm-hmm. but it is a great start it's a great log line you and know? i think for a feature script i was thinking self-contained do you think this would be show more uh, show oriented oh i'm sorry i thought you were pitching out a show but well as a i feature, mean either way maybe with a feature we were talking about this in class that what you've got right now is a world and characters. That's perfect for TV, right? Mm-hmm. But for a feature, you'd have to figure out, you know, um, uh, you know, after clawing her way into being a Hollywood stunt woman, mm-hmm. this kind of a person aims for this. Like, is there a big stunt that she's going to do or a big show she, she needs to get on? You've got to give her a movie-worthy goal. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would be focusing on. Wonder Otherwise, Woman. Might, yeah. Oh, my cool. God. Yeah, I was yeah. actually thinking that could be cool. Sure. Because that was sort of one of the, yeah, back well, in the bionic Wonder Woman days. Wonder Woman, <laughs> Wonder Woman rocked. Yeah. Um, uh, what Jason, if, what do you think? What if um, men were trying to sabotage her, like giving her stunt she wasn't properly prepared for, just trying to get her out, you know, conflicts like that? Yeah. You know. To actually That's, hurt her, right? Yeah. She was, yeah. yeah. Like they, they want her out, so they just want to give her something and maybe she gets injured or maybe she does great and surprises everybody and they hate her for it even more. Yeah, that could be great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you knowing that world as well as you do, there's lots of stories there. Yeah, there's definitely, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to draw from. And then uh, also trying to respect the world a little bit too. So that will be a hard balance because Mm -hmm. you know, they're not all bad people, but definitely back in those days, I think things were. Did they have like stunt shows? I'm not sure in the eighties, like, you know, theme parks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Universal and stuff like the stunt shows and stuff like that. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 I feel like she could be doing that at first, and she wants to get into 
into film and TV, but yeah. she has to start somewhere. That could be. Yeah. I was thinking evil? of moving like they would. She would be in San Francisco, a new mom with you know new three year old son. So that's an obstacle too of following totally. this dreams and then totally. having to deal with the new. <laughs> Baby yeah. and the think the, evil Knievel was real big in the eighties. Oh, yeah. yeah, that so. would be cool too. But there was a place like um, my father actually went to where they would train up uh, stunt people. It was called Zorthian's Ranch, and it was out in Altadena. And they would take in these aspiring stunt people, and it was a ranch that you would go. And one of the jobs is like to castrate the the male pig. Sorry, Barbara's <laughs> a vegan. She's I'm sorry, it just happened. <laughs> it was this. It's okay, we love Barbara. We're we moving Barbara's on. Out. Barbara's gone. So, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in exchange for, he would let you ride the horses, so you'd learn how to fall off the horses, mm-hmm. and you would learn how to jump off of the barn roof onto bags, and like that whole story of seeing all these old school. I see what stunt you're people seeing. There so you're and, seeing for the future. Her goal is to become a, a yeah. stunt woman. So that's why you pitched it the way you did. It's like this kind of person in this kind of job will do. Whatever it takes, yeah. right? So it's it's like that's the movie yeah. to become a Hollywood stunt woman, and then we could still have in the third act the fact that she beats out everybody to be mm-hmm. Wonder Woman stunt woman. Right? Yay. Yay! I like it. All right, that's awesome. Very good. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks, Pilar. Sorry, it was a little it. underdeveloped no, coming no, in. No, this is fun. This Thank is fun. You. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you very much, Julianne. Thank we you. We are going to bring up uh, Darius Garland and Ryan Nanny. Okay, have a seat, gentlemen. And remember to kiss that mic. Jason, is this all that you hoped it would be? And more. (laughs) I was just going to say about uh, the last one that uh, when you go into a world like that that hasn't been shown a lot on TV and film, I think there's a lot of potential there. Yes. And there's very few movies about stunt people. I think there was one in 1980 called The Stuntman. Yeah. And then one for uh, the Burr Reynolds one, Hooper. Mm-hmm. I can't really think of anything else. And it's so. great to have, like, you know, a stunt woman. And, yeah, totally. You know, and, uh, and yeah, well done, Julianne. Yeah. Now, you know, for the person who's listening who has the Stunt Woman Project, who I've worked with already, remember, there's room enough for two, you know? Um, yeah, you know, sometimes we forget. It's like, but it's a female stunt woman. Well, you know what? There's tons of fa- female stunt women and tons of female st- stories out there it doesn't just have to be one anymore um we are gonna move on to now talking to let's talk to darius first hello darius how are you i'm great how are you good good this is your first time in a class right and on the on the page class it is my first time in a class thank you so much for coming i appreciate it and you've listened to the podcast before i've been listening for about 18 months okay and this is what we do we just suck you right in. Yes. You no, know, yeah. now you can never leave. Um, so tell me what you what you do when you're not writing. Well, uh, I first want to say I've been been in L. A. for 15 days. I just moved from Chicago. Get out! Let's and see. now you're on the podcast. No, How about that? That's, that's crazy and amazing. Loving it. <laughs> um, I sell software, so I sell database security software to big companies to to protect our social security numbers and stuff like that. Oh, we need you. We need you <laughs> bad. You. Um, I bet there is definitely a show in that. You know. Uh, just in, yeah, in case you don't have anything, but like I've been and very current too. I mean, Absolutely. everybody's kind of talking about it. So make sure you get closer to the mic right and on. pitch what show you do have. Right on. Well, I was inspired by um, uh, some events that took place in the, in the mid to late 1980s in Chicago Heights, Illinois, which is a south suburb of Chicago. And, and there was a young man that, that kind of uh, forest gumped his way into the drug trade, so to speak. 
and uh, his name was uh, Eugene Gino Cash Jr. and um, and uh, he he was a he was a quirky kind of guy. And, and what happened was that um, he he didn't curse, he didn't smoke, he didn't drink. He had OCD. He wouldn't wear the same socks or shoes two days in a row. You know, he had all these these gorgeous luxury cars that were pristine, and he'd always be wiping them off and waxing them. And um, he 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 was kind of entourage before entourage. He had this this big crew of guys with these Corvettes, and they drive around in a single file line. It was just really really interesting to watch and it was like a rock star so you know that's you know the project came to mind where i guess big picture he's just a little ant you know in that in that world but it was at that time from my point of view it was the biggest thing ever you know and uh so you know i created a crime drama a feature length um in the vein of pulp fiction and uh you know and the title is uh kingpin and you know the log line it's about a a small-time hustler, 1980 suburban Chicago, that rises to make millions in the cocaine trade with the help of two rogue, feeble-minded detectives who are not what they appear to be. All right. And in uh, the plot summary, you know, it's it's about uh, Gino and the relationship he develops with these detectives who he's he's essentially selling drugs for. You know, and what he doesn't know is that he's really selling drugs for for organized crime by the way of these detectives. So he's kind of like this, this naive pawn in this, in this very huge you know, swimming pool. And uh, you know, him and his, his right hand, Reynard, the cowboy Jenkins, along with these detectives, you know, they live a life of excess and greed. You know, and, uh, and they're having a lot of fun and making a lot of money. But you know, problems uh, set in when, when um, you know, the FBI is starting to investigate the small suburb and why are, why aren't there any drug arrests? And how are these guys, you know, doing what they're doing? And, and you know, add insult to injury, the chief of police begins extorting money from this little organization because uh, he's a little bit jealous. So, you know, when it comes down to it, it's about who can trust who. You know, who's the rat? Who's for real? You know, what's really going on? And uh, you know, the consequences and the stakes for everybody is a long time in prison and or death. I love I love the fact that you landed on you know after telling a pretty intricate story that you kind of landed on theme and consequence so it sort of boils down to you know and remember we're watching this because right. which I, I love very very well pitched Jason what do you think um, I really like the character it's a very different character for that kind of world uh, it feels like I just need a little more to make it different. Sure. Because uh, it sounds kind of similar to a lot of... That's pretty much a genre these days. The inspiration was very specific. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, you kind of hit some classic beats in telling the story, which you told well. But, yeah, I, I, it was something we talked about in class, right. too, to get a little bit of that, those, those set pieces in. Right. So that we, we can... Or that sort of quirky behavior, so we know that it is different. And... Uh, you might, there's a Farley Brothers movie called Kingpins, so I don't know if you want to use that same title, right? Because yeah. that might confuse people, yeah, like but, when they're looking for yours and that comes up. You're but, right, you're right. Woody Harrelson and um, Randy Bill Quaid, Murray. yeah. <laughs> Randy yeah. Quaid. Uh, an alternative title is Little City. Um, Little City really sounds kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. I yeah. Like that. And wait, what was the character's name? Eugene Gino Cash Jr. What about like uh, Gino Cash in the Little City? 
You know, How about it? Yeah. like I mean, because it just could have like that little sort of quirky, yeah. s- silly edge I like to it. it. Thank you. It's very, very good. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Thanks. Appreciate Great it. Job. We are going to move on to Ryan Nanny. Hello, Ryan. Thanks for having me, Pilar. Um, and I first met Ryan when he'd been in town for like two weeks. Okay. And, uh, and now how long have you been here? I've been here for two years and I made my first million dollars last week. You oh, lie. I, I'm lying. Oh, I, haven't made, I haven't made my first million. <laughs> yeah, For a while the there, word. I was like, what? I was like, dinner's on you. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so what have you been doing since you got here? So I've been um, writing a lot. And my day job is I shoot video for a lot of different clients. Um, and one of the, so lots of different clients. And let's say that a certain group of clients, it started to kind of go down uh, dark and interesting road. Yeah, um, what kind of video? <laughs> so, not in that direction, but it started to kind of go in the world of self help gurus, life coaches, huh. multi level marketing. Oh. And um, so, and that's kind of like the inspiration for this dark feature I wrote. So, it's called The Seven Step Total Sanity System How to Turn Your Mental Illness into Mega Millions. <laughs> So basically, and, 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 you know, there was a real moment that I had this inspiration because I was shooting for this unnamed client, probably not listening, but I'm going to let you all in on it. Um, and there was uh, these two people in the audience, and I kind of felt like this guy was so, like, full of it. And these two people were describing how they had, like, spent every single one of their dollars flying in from, like, Australia. Um, their business was failing. They had come to, like, his seminar to find some sort of solution. And like, of course, there's not going to be any solution here. This is like the saddest thing I'd ever witnessed. Like this guy is just taking people's money and selling them, uh, you know, broken dreams. And then like you'd have people, you know, confessing like the deepest problems in their life, all these like mental health issues that he's going to just kind of like gloss over. And so I I was looking at them just like, this is so dark, but there's also comedic gold here. (laughs) So... I mean, so, um, so yeah, it's basically about this guy named Freddie, who's this salesman um, with severe bipolar disorder, very delusional, at rock bottom, and he meets the life coach of his dreams, um, who basically helps him achieve his wildest dreams of success with his new uh, uh, product he develops called the Seven Step Total Sanity System, which he claims uh, has restored his ability to make uh, millions and claims that he'll be able to do the same for uh, everyone who signs up with him. So That's great. So that's, that's your premise for your feature. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about where it goes. Tell me more. Yeah, absolutely. So um, he starts to develop these sanity bars, which um, he basically rips off some other, imagine some sort of multi-level marketing scheme that's out there. Um, They sell this sort of nutrition system, but he kind of boosts his with these uh, strange Chinese supplements that seem to give him some sort of boost and and cure all his problems. And he starts to recruit these um, other people into his fold uh, who also have severe problems. Um, You know, but but he's able to kind of like get together this hodgepodge group and they keep they recruit more people and it turns into this snowballing pyramid scheme. Um, and slowly the sanity that they've, uh, 
they've acquired turns into insanity. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much where it goes. So that's where the push- pushback comes in. The, the sanity turns into insanity. So now you've got like the big complication of the movie. So talking midpoint or end of act two, something like that. Yeah. Um, so we reach the point where, um, you know, we have a character who, uh, Freddie has promised will become a CEO, uh, ends up punching out the, uh, all the executives, of the company um, in, a, in, a, in a fury. We have the, the character who starts their restaurant and then becomes convinced they have to burn down the restaurant in order to truly achieve their dreams. And also, he ends up just uh, turning away everyone in his life that loves him out of his you know, ruthless desire for success at all costs. And the irony is, is that all of this is for his deep-seated desire to be loved, but in his attempt to be successful and attempt to make something of himself, uh, he ends up you know, destroying everything he's ever built and destroying the people around him. Excellent. Excellent. What do you think, Jason? That's good. Uh, how, how big does it get? Like, Does it get like sweep the nation kind of big or is it like local? That's a great question. <laughs> it, starts, it starts small, it gets bigger, mm-hmm. and then it turns into a worldwide phenomenon. Wow, okay. Excellent. Excellent. I think that you're going to have to be thinking about a third act where this guy can fix all the things he's broken. You know, I mean, right now it's snowballing. It's it's just a big train wreck, right? But in that third act, what we're looking for is, you know, some kind of awareness where somebody realizes, oh God, I screwed up. And it doesn't mean it all has to be happily ever after, but seeing sort of some kind of attempt to solve a problem, you know, in his own weird way, could be very interesting. So it feels complete. It doesn't just feel like you're just running them off the tracks. Do you have some ideas for that? Yeah. Um, so in the script, um, when everything hits rock bottom again, he decides he that's what is the inspiration and engine for him to make the, uh, m- the multi-level marketing uh, engine and tornado, this vortex of his dreams. And that's what allows him to get a mass following and build into the seminar that becomes a world-changing event. So wait, so this guy who starts off as pretty crazy just ends up a megalomaniac by the end. That's right. (laughs) Okay, all right. So I think you want to think about, like, again, that's still very train wrecky, right? Because at the end, he's just a bigger jerk than when he started. You know, so now that doesn't mean that you can't have dark projects, but I think I'd be looking for something along the way that tells another story then. If that's where you're going to go, is there some victim along the way that is trying to stop him? I think we're going to need something else in it. Um, that's a great point. I, I guess I would say there's a real heart to Freddie. Mm-hmm. I think we, we love him. He cares about the people in his life. And he really is driven by the desire to do good in the world. And that's the irony, is that his desire to do good in the world is ultimately what destroys the world around him. <laughs> there was a movie, gosh, it was with Nicole Kidman. It was years ago where she wanted to be a newscaster. To die for. Yeah. yeah there's for. a little bit of that mm-hmm. feeling in it, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, and that's not a movie that you know, ended with her really learning anything, but it was certainly entertaining along the way. Um, a little bit, could you see it sort of in living in that sort of character driven indie world a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Character driven. Um, you know, uh, I submitted it to the blacklist website. I got sevens and eights, which is, I'm really proud of. And one of the blacklist readers, uh, I believe they said, uh, 
a big name actor would be chomping at the bit to play these characters. So sweet. That's the kind. That's the kind of thing I want to send out to the world, and I want to meet those actors. Congratulations. Okay. All right. Well, you built it. Maybe they will come. Here you go. Guys, thank you so much. You are wonderful. Jason, mm-hmm. what a pleasure to have you on the show. Pleasure to be here. Um, anything that you want, any pearls of logline wisdom that you want to leave anyone with or any other kind of wisdom? Um, just just be open to criticism. Like, uh, you know, make sure, listen to people, be open, and just take what they get. And you don't always have to use it, but just make sure you, you listen with an open mind. Now, are you a, a tweetable person? Yes, uh, yeah. actually, wrote down. Uh, I'm on uh, at Jason Levy seventy nine on Twitter, Jason and I'm on Facebook, Instagram, all that. L e v y. L e v y. Okay, great. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, I guess I would just say that if you are a hotshot producer, somebody with credits, and you've heard any of these pitches, um, if the scripts are ready, um, you can always get in touch with me, and I will get you in touch with the writers. Does that sound good. Sounds good. You're, you're, Please do. All right. Sounds awesome. Let's All talk. Right. Good. Let's good, make good. some money. All right. So I want, to, I want to say a big thanks to Barbara Cole, Kat Alvarado, Darius Garland, Julianne Eggold, Misha Klein, Ryan Nanny, uh, and of course, uh, Jason Levy. Did I hit everybody? Did I get everybody? Yep. Yeah, gosh, I hope so. Um, you all were wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks to everybody for listening. You want to say it with me? Yeah, yeah. And have, have a, a good, good writing, writing week. week.